Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I'm so excited today to be bringing on a guest. This is the first guest that we have from a little community project that we have been doing called the Manifesto Meetup. Um, I'm so privileged to be surrounded by thousands, thousands of manifestors every single day, which is so unusual and such a delight. And so I wanted to put together this podcast series, the Manifesto Meetup series, in order to really bring you their stories and to bring you their voices, to bring you their insights and their wisdom, because manifestors are so profoundly wise and so able to share just nuggets of truth and really initiate you into action and into change just by speaking, just by sharing their story. So without further ado, I'm welcoming my first guest, the delightful Ryan Spence. Hello, Ryan. G'day. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ryan's been practicing his Australian accent. I think it's pretty good. Happy to hear yeah, from all the Australians in the audience and let me know if you thought that was on point. But <laughs> we all know it's pretty hard to nail the accent. <laughs> An American wannabe Australian. Someday I'm going to make it there and try to just blend in with the crowd. Yeah, do it. Do it. We welcome all types in, in the land down <laughs> under. <laughs> so I feel so excited and so privileged to have you on the show today, Ryan. I know that you and I have been working together in the Manifest and Mastery Certification, which has been such a joy to just witness some parts of your story. But can you start us off by telling us what your what your design is? What type of manifesto are you? And, and how did you fall into human design? How did that happen for you? Yeah. Um, well, as far as my design, I'm a 2-4 manif- Splenic Manifester. And that's one of the things that really turned me on to to your, uh, all of your teachings and in plus, obviously you're, you fit the six profile, the role model just perfectly too. So, um, that's kind of how I found you a couple months ago and then like binge purchase all the things and, you know, <laughs> trying to absorb as much of your knowledge as possible, which goes to my two, uh, part of my profile. So two, four, so hermit, uh, opportunist and, um, splenic manifester. My incarnation cross is the right angle cross the rulership. But as far as how I found uh, human design is actually, a, um, I was in the spirituality group uh, last year. By the way, spirituality, as I call it, is, you know, understanding the universe and the law of attraction. This has only like been like a 13 month journey for me. So I, I've just, with isolation that's been going on, I've been just going down all the rabbit holes of awesomeness and absorbing all the knowledge. But a friend of mine showed me human design from the Jovian archive and I, I punched it in. I'm like, okay, this looks, I don't understand what this chart is. I don't understand what these words are. What's a manifester. 
And I'm, then I didn't really do anything with it until uh, a friend of mine, uh, I had a Reiki session with a friend of mine and she did a human design reading. I'm like, oh, I've heard of that. And then she led me to a friend that did a business reading for me as a manifester. And then I just fell in love with it. It's, it's just been such a fun, fun and empowering rabbit hole to go down. Mm, absolutely absolutely and I think that um so many people represent the same kind of experience with human design almost so human design just found them along the journey and even though it initially was pretty illogical and really didn't make much sense Mm -hmm. it has this progressive way of just resonating and allowing you to access deeper parts of yourself so I love I love reflecting on that story and, and hearing so many points resonate with so many stories that I've heard was that weird for you to find out that you were a manifester and that we kind of, we're so rare and we have all of these quirks? Did that initially resonate with you? Oh, yeah. And it's funny when you ask if whether it was weird is I actually found that empowering because, I mean, I, I've known I've been maybe a little bit on the quirky side. I don't know if that's from the hermit side or the manifester side, but I've definitely felt this immense power that I'm here for a really big reason and that I'm a very capable person. And so I actually love that. I love being a rare type. I love that uniqueness. I love kind of the responsibility that goes behind it, even though of course that does feel the daunting at times, but I absolutely relish that role. I don't think I would want to be any other type. Like I just love my role as a manifester. Yeah, that was exactly the same as my experience. I found that really validating to have it yes. almost like it was written down in black and white, right? This like all of these things I've known about myself that I I am different and I am unusual and I am powerful and I am here for a big purpose, for big things. And here I am seeing it, you know, written written right in front of me with a label. But I know that um, in, in speaking to so many manifestors, it, it sort of seems to go into like two courts. We either have these manifestors that get this initial validation, this initial initial resonation of, oh, my goodness, you just described me and now I feel even more powerful versus I can't connect to that at all, right? Mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't understand how that is me. That just seems so overwhelming. Has there been any parts on your journey throughout this, this 13-month or so journey where you've had moments like that as a manifestor where you've thought, you know, perhaps the burden of responsibility is too big or perhaps I can't be as powerful as all of all of these statements about manifestors make me out to be? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Um, I think probably my defined ego center has not thought of not being able to handle that responsibility because I, <laughs> I, I feel like I, I got to do this. And honestly, this kind of goes into what I really like. We're going to talk about like some of the things around weight loss and uh, my coaching and stuff like that. But even on top of that, like my bigger purpose, I feel in this world, you know, especially here in the U S is to fix the food policy that we have where, mm-hmm. you know, like have something like we're in Europe where they actually don't allow you to put chemicals in your food and, and sell it to people. So that's really been the thing that just keeps buzzing in my head the last couple of months. And that's something that does feel like pretty close, like pretty big, but I got to do it. So I'm going to do it at some point. Um, So there's definitely a little bit of self-doubt with that that one, but I do feel like that's one role that I really want to take on in this lifetime. Mm, I love that. And that expression of the defined ego as well, that um, often, often that can be challenging right, that where we can be as a defined ego manifest and myself as well, we can be so fixated 
on this this sense that we have and these urges that we have and these desires that we have. But at the same time, it creates this confidence. It creates this willingness to say, well, I'll step up for the, th- the things that I want. And, and even though that's big and even though that, that may look unattainable from this vantage point, I can do that. I can be available yeah. for that. Um, and for anybody who's listening that, that has a defined ego, that's such a beautiful place to start with your energetic journey that the defined ego is just so punchy, isn't it? It's so, yeah. it's so fierce. <laughs> like it is just, it's like a take no prisoners kind of energy. So it's a really beautiful I, it, one to, to grasp. I haven't figured out what my favorite one is. I mean, it's probably the spleen just because again, being a splenic manifester. Um, but yeah, I really love the ego center just because, I mean, it defines who I am. I mean, it, I'm somebody that has, you know, had a lot of willpower and well, just does not want to settle for, you know, less in life. And mm. it just has always really defined me very well. Um, so it's probably, it's a close number one for my favorite center. So yeah, punchy is a really good word for it. I like when you describe it as that. Yeah, absolutely. Talk to me about your spleen. As a splenic authority, what has that journey been like for you? What, you know, when you initially learned that you were here to make decisions with that splenic authority, what was that like trying to, trying to move into that space? Frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I'm, and it's still a journey for sure. I mean, it's frustrating. Like, because, you know, as your audience probably knows, and you, you can probably just describe it even better, but, you know, the splenic side just says it once and says it quietly. And then it's like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. And I, uh, I do have a really good sense of knowing in lots of situations. I'm, I'm still trying. I know I still need to make the time to really practice making decisions from my spleen, but I think I can see areas where uh, in my past life, where I'm like, yeah, I know I shouldn't get on this flight or I shouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm still trying to make that connection. There's still practicing between that and, and don't, don't hate me, but informing as well. Surprise, <laughs> you know, you know, the yeah. only two most important things is your inner, inner authority and then a, your strategy to inform. So still working on those things, but um, yeah, I mean, the, it definitely makes sense though, of where I have a defined spleen. I don't take any on anybody else's fears, but I definitely have plenty of, of my own to navigate and um, really just trying to navigate with the it's okay to be afraid and it's okay to be you know what does that fear tell you what what can you learn from that fear um in in this moment mm, yeah that was that's a real shift i think between um even if you are not a splenic authority but you have a defined spleen that understanding of the fear that i feel is my own but I, I also have this capacity to, to learn from that, right? It's not for me to put down and to feel uncomfortable and to walk away from. The fear is actually there for me to hold on to and, and dive headfirst into and try to understand where the wisdom and where the, the depth yeah. is in this. Has that shown you having that journey with your spleen, even outside the inner authority, which I want to get back to, but just that yeah. journey of fear with your spleen, has that understanding that you are actually here to process fear? And that your fear is your own. Has that changed the way that you've approached things in your life? Yeah, I would say so. Especially just the last couple of weeks, even um, you know, with launching my first program and having a business and having all these fears here and there, is just recognizing, yeah, hey, I can learn something from this. Uh, I mean, I think that's probably an even even bigger uh, benefit, especially within the spleen, even more so than the authority, just because 
uh, I've distracted myself. My undefined head has mm. helped me sign up to lots of courses and things <laughs> to learn from. And so it's distracted me from really taking the time to just integrate the, the inner authority side of it. But definitely like fears around money and, you know, success and such has um, really allowed me to kind of take a step back and say, okay, well, what, what can I learn from this? Why, why do I have this fear? Does this fear really need to paralyze me? Cause I've definitely had tons of, I mean, everybody has fears, but you know, certainly fears and anxiousness has been, you know, a big theme in my life, especially growing up with, you know, and living in a household with an anxious parent. So um, recognizing that fear is okay. And that you know, it's just kind of like your, one of my spiritual teachers just said, it's like your edge. It just tells you, Hey, you're on the edge of growing a little bit. Yeah. I love that way of looking at it. Yeah. Fear is kind of this um, equal parts, terror and excitement, right? It's, yeah. it's kind of all in a, a mixed bag. And for those of us with a defined spleen, it provides so many opportunities. When we feel the fear, there's something happening. There's a depth to go to. There's a new place to expand to, which is, that's a gift. I think that when we can, move into that mindset and that understanding of yeah. I have the capacity to do this and, and this is a really supportive message coming from my body. How, how has it been for you learning to make decisions with that splenic authority? Can you, it's so difficult to articulate, but do you have any words that you can share with us about what that feels like for you, that process of taking a decision, feeling that splenic hit and then sort of moving on into the decision after that? Yeah. I think the biggest thing for me that I have integrated though, is just recognizing what's that first decision. Mm. At least for me, again, the first decision is probably the spleen talking. Uh, I you know, still haven't like, you know, one ever since said, okay, you know, I, I think what you mentioned is, you know, sitting in a, sitting in a spot. I'm also a Pisces. So like being around water or something like that might be helpful to kind of be in tune with it, but really that first hit go with that. And then recognize when I start to get into the brain because, mm. you know, I'm an incredibly analytical person. And so, and it made like many of us have made decisions from the brain. So I recognize well, whatever that first decision is before I get into the brain was most likely the spleen and the better decision to go to before I start going to a pros and cons list. Yes. Yes. Has that changed the way that you have started taking action, moving out of that cycle of relying on your head to think things through and, and kind of going with that initial illogical intuitive answer that comes to you? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd say, well, so, I mean, you can see a little bit behind me. I'm in the brand new condo that I actually manifested. I've only, yeah. only done uh, a handful of physical manifestations, but there was so much fear around getting this place because, you know, my journey uh, over the last year, right before, like, in, uh, let's see, late 2019, early 2020, I lived in a city that was pretty inexpensive to uh, live in in Iowa. And now I live in uh, Minneapolis, which is quite a bit more expensive to live in. And I've really just seen lots of evidence where going with what my, you know, spleen would say or what my body would say has really served me for being much happier than going with what, what my brain would say. And so, you know, just moving up here, but also buying a condo that's, twice as much as the house that I owned over like a year ago and getting a puppy and doing all these other things that initially I just think, you know, that feels right. But then, you know, trying not to let my brain talk myself out of it. So um, 
it's, it's still a work in progress, of course, to tune out the brain a little bit. But um, again, the, the fears show up again with, uh, you know, buying the condos. Like I, I would look at my spreadsheet that I've calculated multiple times. Like, yeah, I can afford this. I can afford this. It still says I can afford this. But then the fear is like, did I, did I check that number right? And yeah, still, it's still right. And then, you know, of course, some more money just kind of came into my life just recently, just to, you know, make me feel a little bit better about having some extra savings. So beautiful. I think one of the things, you know, as a Felix, a Felix, fellow splenic authority <laughs> myself um one of the things that we don't really have much discussion or many resources around is this uh the sense of fear and the sense of uncertainty that comes with every decision that we make mm-hmm. because the spleen is the center of fear and it processes fear that's almost its sole job but it operates on that sixth sense intuition right that that primal instinct that is actually being fed by all of this unconscious data that's happening around us, right? The spleen is taking in everything that's happening in the world around you and it's feeding it through this fear filtration system and and kind of whispering to you these really illogical, ambiguous insights about what is going on. And so for those of us who are spleenic authorities, I think it's really worth mentioning that we, we will feel all of our fear and all of that uncertainty every single time we make a decision because there's no logic there's no framework there's no structure that's the whole purpose of the spleen and when we come back to understanding that every every person chose their design so every single element of your design is is not random right and it's not just kind of mishmashed and thrown together nobody even chose it for you you chose your own design so why would we choose this ability to make decisions while feeling fear and panic and uncertainty with no data to support our decisions whatsoever? And I think for me, one of the the big keys in, in reflecting on that and journeying through that was that I began to understand that as a manifester with splenic authority, that actually made me the fastest decision maker in the whole of the global collective, right? Mm -hmm. As a manifester, we wait for nothing. We wait for nothing at all. It's all all internal. And as a splenic authority, that's the fastest decision-making process. So as splenic manifestors, I mean, we're quite a small group. I think we're we're like 20% of the 9% of the manifestor population. Most manifestors are emotional manifestors. And then our ego manifestors are an even tinier group after us. But it gives us the ability to be really kind of quick on our feet right? And really adaptive in our life. And and exactly as you described, to make these decisions that take you places that you just could never have imagined you would arrive in. And they're, they're so fulfilling. They're so delicious, right? Those experiences are so, so wonderful. It's just, we did, we had no idea they were coming. So I, I love the way that you described that journey and, and just your honesty about you know, I, I, my head still talks, like still yeah. analytical. Oh, God, yeah. still, still get caught in that, right? I think all, but, all splenic manics are. But that, that design is perfect for me because I absolutely hate waiting and I, I'm really quick to make the decision. So it is a huge strength of having the, the spleen. I'm like, yeah, I know that. And I mean, there's even elements of sensing energy, but, you know, like, for example, in my dating life, you know, dating mm-hmm. in the past where I just know like, yeah, I just have a pretty good sense that this isn't going to work out. And I I had that pretty instantly. And of course, you know, you talk to like, uh, 
you know, logical mind or, you know, you read like dating websites or get advice from other people. It's like, oh, you don't know until you try. You don't know until you try. But no, I know. But I people know. just don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't give you a reason for why I know, but I know. Yeah. I just yeah. do. I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. probably the biggest sense where I've uh, really seen in the past my sweetie side get that just instant decision making like yeah i don't think this is going to work you know even even feeling that from their side it's like nah, i don't think they're interested yeah absolutely one of the things that is so vital about the spleen which again often gets overlooked is that the spleen is this um uh, kind of profoundly wise intuitive container about health and about well-being right so both physically, energetically, spiritually, the spleen has this capacity to determine what is healthy or unhealthy within your own body, but also to determine that for other people, to see things even to the point of, you know, the whole whole of society, the whole of collective, you know, looking at whole groups of people and to see, no, this is not healthy for you or this is healthy for you. And I know that the the area of work that you have moved into with your business is all around health and it's all around wellness looking back can you see the role that your spleen played in that or do you think that you just sort of fell into it it just kind of happened in your life that's a fantastic question as far as in my life i mean it in my my whole um i I don't say if it's necessarily mantra but my how i live my life especially after losing my weight is you know over the last seven years is about balance and you know being as healthy as humanly possible. And I, th- I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, you just gave me the extra validation. You just kind of said it again there with regards to the spleen being like all about what's good for the people, what's good for you, what's good for your body. And that's like kind of all I really think about a lot of times, not, not in an unhealthy way, but just in a way that I'm like kind of in a profound way. And it, then it gave me more validation to have that big purpose of making sure that the U S and the whole world is being fed correctly. But, um, I think it, I think I just kind of fell into it as far as when I was losing my weight, but it just makes so much sense over, especially after losing the weight and having this passion to want other people to be healthy. I want other people to be healthy sometimes more than they do. So I definitely see it in that space, uh, at times. Yeah, for sure. Will you tell us your story of your weight loss journey, how that, how that all happened. Will you inform us of what your your story is there? I will. Yes. I would be glad to inform you about that. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, so growing up from about the age, so I'm 37 now. So from about the age of, I can say six to 26, I was pretty overweight. Um, you know, just from, from, you know, elementary school, just always pretty big, pretty heavy. Um, I had a little bit of success, like with, uh, in high school, I played a little bit of sports and, um, uh, did, I ate like really healthy for like a month and then I lost a bunch of weight and then I stopped doing that. And then I gained the weight back and kind of just, okay, well, that wasn't, that kind of sucked. So, uh, and then when I got into college, of course, you know, put on the freshman 15 and then I didn't really stop. And so I was really at a, my senior year of college, I was really at a turning point because I'm about five, seven, five, eight between there. And I was almost 300 pounds. So it was pretty, pretty, mm. uh, pretty big. And I started actually having some issues with, uh, I think it was actually gallstones. Uh, yeah. I had gall, gallstones and, and I think there's 
if I recall, I think there's actually maybe a connection between the gallbladder, the liver, and the, the spleen. There is, and yeah. I, yeah, I think I, and that really, you know, I think when you taught me that, I think recently in our in our course, I was like, oh, okay. So mm-hmm. maybe to your previous question, there was that link there. Uh, but that caused me to go to the doctor and then that kind of caused me to start changing some things up and and my diet and getting just a little bit more motivated to lose the weight. Cause it really, at that point I felt pretty, pretty hopeless. I mean, I didn't really know what to do to lose weight. Um, you know, and I, you know, especially going through college, you know, college was a stressful time too. And there was ten- plenty of temptations to eat pizza every day and drink beer and did plenty of that. Um, so it was really my last semester of college. I kind of started changing things up a little bit and then I lost 20 pounds pretty effortlessly. And I was like, Whoa, okay. That inspired me. That must have turned on the defined uh, ego center too. I was like, okay, well, I can do this. This is all I need. I needed some proof that I could do this and this isn't super stressful. And so then I kind of came up with my own blueprint to just slowly change my habits over time. And then I ended up losing 130 pounds total uh, across about three to four years. And I kept that off for 11 years. So it was like kind of 22-ish to really, I was really conscious about losing the weight around 23, 24. So most of that 130 pounds was in a two-year period. That's incredible. What was the response from people around you as you were going through that process of weight loss? I mean, it's it's kind of funny because it's like, oh my God, you look, you look great. You look amazing. You don't look like the same person. And it, it's actually kind of funny because in my city that I lived in it was the same city I always grew up in. And so you see people from, from high school and, you know, some people you want to see, some people you don't. So I kind of <laughs> had this little, little, uh, advantage where people may not recognize me. And a lot of people did not recognize me, uh, from high school or college because uh-huh. I, I actually, at that point I had, was shaving my head and I grew a beard and then, you know, lost a lot of weight. So I basically had a completely different identity. Mm. Um, so that was the big thing. And it's kind of funny because I, I think anybody that's struggling with weight loss would be like, oh my God, I would love for people to say that. You actually almost get sick of it because you heard it from every single person, you know, and it's just obviously it's such a huge change in your identity and what you look like that, of course, everybody's going to say that because it's like, you know, that's a good thing that you lost the weight because you're healthier, but then also like, holy crap, I don't even recognize you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you tell me about your G center? Do you have a defined G center or an undefined G center? I have undefined. I have undefined G, uh, sacral, and then emotional and mind. Yeah. yeah. So that would have been really triggering as well to your undefined G center to have all of these people reflect to you about this new identity and kind of place that label on you. It's no surprises yeah. that that you represent really enjoying the ability to hide through that say people didn't recognize me and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's so funny because the, the changing the identity, I mean, I think there's lots of parts I liked it internally, but then I think there was elements of where people kind of kept bringing it up that mm-hmm. kind of, I didn't like as much. And then, you know, I also know there was a big, big part of shame, like around the time that I lost that weight, that I was really shame, felt ashamed of that. I got that overweight too. And so mm-hmm. This is like a little bit of a regret as I deleted a lot of my old pictures, my old Facebook and of all that stuff of who I, who I was. So it was kind of like, okay, internally, I'm like, I did not like that identity that I was. And now I'm a different identity and I like that, but um, mm. also conflicted by that, by kind of hearing that over and over as well. Yeah, for sure. 
Looking back now all of these years later, can you see um, the decisions or the actions that put you into that that experience of, you know, kind of increasingly becoming more and more and more overweight? Do you feel like any of that was conscious or was that just, just sort of unfolding in your world? Wow. Fantastic. I, this is a great question. I never thought about that. Um, I'm sure there was some subconsciousness to it. I mean, a lot of, I mean, even a lot of my backstory behind the losing the weight and maybe one of the trigger points is, you know, I had a, a pretty rocky upbringing. You know, I, I lived with my mom. I'm, I have my mom and my parents divorced at a very young age. And so I think subconsciously it was probably some form of coping me- mechanism to eat more and, and I didn't have a lot of self-love. I mean, honestly, self-love was a relatively new journey, even just a couple of years ago. But um, I think there were some elements of just having a really rocky uh, childhood that subconsciously made that happen. And then I think really food was just kind of the only source of feeling happiness in the, mm-hmm. in the time. So that's a, that's a tough one. I think there was probably subconscious, but then also consciously like, oh, well, I feel better when I eat. And then you know, there's that. Um, and then just not really, I don't even think even at that time I made that connection that I was just making myself feel better with food. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things that we don't pay attention to much, which, which I found really enlightening through digging deeper into human design was that when we are unhappy, you know, when we're experiencing difficulty, you know, even going through things like like difficult childhoods, going through trauma, um, lacking a sense of purpose, lacking a sense of identity, all of those things that make us really deeply unhappy within ourselves. What they do is that they really disrupt our authority, right? Because that's like your authority is like your power core. Yes, yeah, it's, it's your like your superhuman part of you. And so often we can exist in the shadow of that energy. And what's really unique about it is that with the the shadows in the inner authority, they so often manifest physically. And from this vantage point, you know, being an observer and a listener to your story, I can see that connection that, you know, being overweight and really eating unhealthy food and not feeling an ability or a desire to look after yourself, kind of that state of, of helplessness in your health journey is very much the shadow of that splenic center. You know, the spleen that knows intuitively and naturally how to be healthy and, and what is health and, and what is not health. And to have that sort of blanketed out, you know, and live in this state of unhealthiness. Um, there is definitely a connection with the gallbladder coming through when we look at Physiologically, for me, I come from a nursing background, so I love to look at all of the mechanics of this and how it fits into the body. But the hepatic line runs through your gallbladder, your liver, and your spleen. So for people with a defined spleen or particularly for splenic authorities, when we are experiencing disruption in that or we are not listening to those intuitive decisions that are coming through, as so many of us have done, right? Like I didn't pay attention to my intuition and it landed me in a pretty bad place. We get, we get this physical uh, manifestation. We get these physical symptoms that show up. Um, for me, that was a rare liver disease that I got during my teen years. Um, and a, a couple of years ago, I also had gallstones out of the blue. They're trash. 
don't recommend. <laughs> Girls oh, don't no. have a horrible experience. <laughs> One uh, out of five stars. Do not recommend. Yes, do not recommend. Do not recommend. Will not be repeating. No. <laughs> so, I, you know, I think that that's really worth mentioning for those people who are listening who have a defined spleen or who are a splenic authority that if you are experiencing illness in your body or you're experiencing a state of of not being able to be in health right whether um you know that's poor eating habits or feeling an inability to really look after yourself with body movement whether you know you're overweight start looking into your spleen because that's that's really the root cause of all of that and it's also the medicine to fix it i'm i'm super curious about how you kind of see that journey now, now that you have the ability to understand what your spleen is doing and be able to tap into that voice, has that made any impact or any changes in things like the way that you eat and the way that you move your body? Well, uh, actually this, this last year or this whole year, I guess I should say, I've really experimented with something else uh, with my eating um, I watched, uh, you know, a Netflix documentary and it really resonated with me about just eating more vegetables and a little bit less meat. And ever since I've done that, you know, January of this year, like eating twice as many vegetables to what I used to, I, basically I used to eat about eight to 12 ounces of meat per meal. I was a very high protein diet. I used to do CrossFit and so it was like protein, 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 <laughs> and, you know, kind of like vegetables are an afterthought. I don't love vegetables. Well, I've been eating more vegetables and, and just this, this year I'm the, the probably about the least amount of body fat that I've been in for a long time. I'm the least weight I've ever been. Like I actually was not trying to lose weight. I was trying to maintain weight, but my, like my body can't keep the fat on. Like I'm eating more calories. You know, there's the whole calorie, uh, you know, methodology that I am actually still eating more calories than I burn according to the measurements that I take. And I, the, the fat still, you know, coming off of me. So it's like really the, now that I've healed so many wounds and that I'm listening to my body and I'm honoring my body, it's like body's going to regulate to put you to the size that you're meant to be. And, you know, that's going to be easy and, and stress-free. That is so powerful. I love that. I speak to defined spleen manifestors so frequently and say, you know what, you're, you're an intuitive eater. So what your body tells you to eat is exactly what is correct for you, even if that doesn't make sense. And uh, I personally am a gluten-free vegan. I love meat. I miss meat but meat is not good <laughs> in my body um, and have happily maintained not only less weight, but a, a much higher frequency of health by eating this way. Um, and, I, you know, I love hearing that, that swap, right? Of, I just, I watched this thing and I, it felt right to me. So now I just eat more vegetables and look at that. I'm healthier. And to that point is, again, I did CrossFit for five years and CrossFit's known to be a very, very intense exercise. And I loved it and I enjoyed it, but I also spent almost every month, you know, especially being, getting closer into my mid thirties and stuff, you know, getting more and more like a little Nixon injuries and then having an office job. So like the tight shoulder, tight neck, all those things. This last year I've worked out the, like probably the least amount of intensity that I've had also worked out in probably, uh, I don't know, 
seven, eight, nine years as well. And again, the weight just kind of comes off. So it's uh, really just putting my body under a lot less stress and just listening to what it needs. And, you know, I built up a lot of knowledge and intuition about what's, what's a good food to eat and what's healthy to eat and, you know, do that 90 to 95% of the time. And that's just natural for me. Mm, So good. Can you tell us about your business? I know that your story of weight loss really was what kind of propelled you into starting your business, but can you tell us more about it? What do you do? What do you teach? What's kind of the the crux of your business? Yeah. Um, So actually, before even I got into the weight loss, I did a three-day fast. So maybe this is some more evidence of where this led me into building a business of coaching. Um, So that was even the first thing was like, well, I did... I've been on especially such a uh, healing journey the last two years that, uh, you know, I found the spirituality group, found the law of attraction, lots, lots of different resources, and then didn't do the three-day fast actually led me to the coaching program that I just finished yesterday. And then I'm like, then I found out I was thinking more. And then I started getting led into, well, based off my journey, I, like I would, I've always been passionate about helping people be healthier and eat healthier, uh, as well. So that's, that was where the, really the idea, the, you know, the niche to find a place to niche down because, you know, the generators are telling me to niche down and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to this niche because I love it. I'm passionate about it. So um, from there, um, I I still have one-on-one services for coaching so I can one-on-one coach uh, really anything. I mean, I'm a natural problem solver. All my all my expertise or most of my expertise, especially in the corporate side is I actually teach process improvement for mm-hmm. my job. Again, to find Ajna, just kicking in, loving, loving systems, loving things to, to uh, be optimal. So one-on-one side, I can coach anybody on anything. I can help you solve any problem that you want in your life, but especially working with people that, on the nutrition side or people just that, you know, like me, did, didn't feel very empowered, didn't feel self-love. I want to make sure everybody feels that self-love so I can help them with that journey. Mm-hmm. And then on the teaching side is, is uh, I just came up with my new program called the Healthy Life Blueprint. I just finished my first launch with that. And uh, it's really about teaching people how to lose weight the same exact way that I lost weight, which is just slow and steady over time, changing habits. And it's completely different than what any other program does because I spent a lot of research looking at all these other programs. And this comes from a place of empathy and relating you know, somebody that actually can relate to going through that and knowing that everybody's life is really, really, really busy. Uh, you know, especially within this last year of isolation, people have probably taken on a lot more classes and, you know, self self-improvement things or more daycare or working from home, whatever, just to recognize the kind of meet you where you're at. And so this is the only program that I know of that actually lets you kind of choose your own path, which is great for manifestors. Cause I, I know I don't want to be told what to do and I know manifestors don't want to be told what to do. So I'm going to give you the knowledge and I'm going to give you uh, like the game board. You can choose where you start on the game board and where you go. Mm, yeah. It's very manifestor of you as well to initiate a program. That's completely unlike everything else in the industry. Yeah. Like, let me give you permission to do it completely differently to the way that everybody else is doing things. That's classic manifestor. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, having already identified this difference between the way that generators approach business and mm. now kind of coming into an understanding of the way that manifestors approach business. 
what what insights have you gained in starting to I guess like differentiate between these different energy types rather than just being in this big pool of this is how you need to do business has there been you know moments of clarity or guess like nuggets of wisdom throughout understanding that difference yeah there's definitely been some some clarity there I'm looking for I think I'm still kind of discovering some more of it um, I just came up with came out of my first launch and it was incredibly exhausting. Yeah. Um, so I, I've been in a, another program that feels very generatory, uh, as I like to call it, but um, a program where it's like, when you get to, you know, you do 50 interviews, which has actually been very beneficial. So you do 50 interviews, do the market research. And that's actually been really helpful, but it took me, of course, from October to March to do all that. And so you have like six months worth of work while you know I'm still doing my full-time job. And I adopted a puppy and I'm in about four or five other programs. So I kind of signed myself up for a lot of things, but um, with doing that and then getting into this launch phase, it's like, you need to, you need to post on social media every day for 30 days. And then you need to get every person on a sales call. And then you need to, you know, go through your sales script and do this. And then you need to keep following up with them. And I thought, I'll give this a try. Within one day of it, I'm like, I'm already exhausted. Like I, because I just <laughs> do not like posting on social media every day. In a little bit of fairness, I did choose a poor time to do it because, you know, buying this condo and moving into it, plus finishing up my coaching certification and other things going on. But um, I think some of the big clarifying points is that you don't have, there's not just one way to run a business. I mean, you've been just an amazing role model of running a business. And so I have, what I've learned from you has been, you know, just from like watching you has been more valuable than maybe this other program that I've spent quite a bit of money to be in. Um, I mean, I think me, of course, as being a manifester, I want to take like what I see you do and then maybe take some elements of this and then some elements, of my personality and, and, and sell the right way. And I also wanted to call out, I have the uh, Gate 26, I believe it is, the yes. um, the, the trickster. Yeah, so, it's got a few yeah. names, the egoist, the trickster. Some people refer to it as the entrepreneur gate as well. Yes. Yep. And I had that full channel as well. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so I definitely noticed in scenarios where I had that pressure that, oh, I need to get this sale and I need to follow up with somebody. I'm not really being authentic and... You know, that shows up in that gate of the shadow side is I'll subconsciously, I'll start being a little bit more manipulative. And I certainly don't want to be manipulative with it. The reason why I'm in this is to serve others and then hopefully build a life out of it. And so the, um, the higher expression of that is to be of service, like be of service first and help people solve their problems, which is, I absolutely love solving people's problems or helping them solve people's problems as a coach. And you know, going through it that way. So uh, I, I'm going a lot of different ways around this, but I think <laughs> the big clarity is that I don't have to run the business just the way this one person that says she's really successful running it. I don't have to run it that way. And I can play to my strengths and be more methodical and honor my 80% of the time needing rest and 20% of action time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I honestly have not ever... Uh, come across at least manifestors in business that have not gone through exactly that same journey. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting to hear other people's reflections of looking at the way that I do business now, because what what you're seeing now is the culmination of that exact journey. You know, I have many, many, many years behind me of 
running businesses in all different ways with all different strategies and all different formats and just continuously getting burnt out and continuously having that sense of, well, no, this is not right and this doesn't feel correct, but somebody's telling me that I have to do this to be successful, so I'll do it, right? And, and that very undefined head, that conditioning up in the head that says, well, I'll invest in this program and I'll learn this way of doing it because this will give me the answer. And, and of course, it leaves you with that um, very unsettling uh, sense of like losing your grounding, right? We realise it's an illusion when we get to the end of the program. Often that time starts to collapse and we start to realise that it's an illusion halfway through the program and then at the beginning of the program, right? It's, oh, this is, this is not a promise of success. This is not a guarantee. This is not actually that one magical answer that I've been searching for what this person is teaching because there is no one magical answer. Yeah. And I get to do things really differently. I get to do things really uniquely. Do you think that you would have any particular advice for the manifestors out there that are maybe, you know, kind of coming into their business, maybe they're in their first year or two of business and they're still struggling with that, still kind of getting caught in that when I have to learn strategy or I have to do this the way that other people are doing it. I have to do the really complicated, you know, launch strategies and launch plan and I've got to show up on social media all the time, all of those things that we get trapped in. Do you have any advice that is really helpful for manifestors in that situation? I mean, they've already found you. So that's, that would have been my first <laughs> advice thing. Well, everything you. you just said just helped to validate me. And I, I want to just again express gratitude for you showing up in the world because, you know, from um, warning from all the, you know, the mistakes, like, quote, mistakes you made or you, the experiences you have, you've come to a... Um, you know, where you're at today with a lot of success. And that helps, you know, somebody like me to see that success and know that, Hey, uh, this can be done another way. Mm -hmm. So I, I think another way to answer your question is just find other ways of doing business that resonate more with you. I mean, that's essentially what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, and when I started that other program that I thought, well, you know, I got into the emotional concept of, you know, they, like you said, they, they can't promise success, but it's kind of like, oh, well, if you do this, you're going to have success. I mean, they're not saying you will have success, but they're kind of implying, well, you'll just have success if you do this. And, you know, I think it's a good, it's a good program if you can, you can do those things. But um, yeah, I mean, there, I think there's just enough evidence to see other people in the world that are doing things their way that you can be successful. But ultimately, I think it comes back to what I was saying before is really make sure you're coming from service. I mean, that's just going to be when you don't have that money pressure and that sales pressure, you're going to, you're going to be in your higher expression, which will be, about, you know, assuming your business is about service and most businesses are, it's always about the customer and about giving them what they want and giving them enough of what they want. When we get into the pressure then you know especially me i think well i don't want to give them too much of the secret because then they won't buy my program and and that's just not a fun way even if it leads to more sales it's not a really fun way to live as a business owner mm, absolutely have you found any particular strategies that have really worked for you as a manifestor i mean i personally think that most strategies out there are generator driven um, but we do come across a few every now and then that really work for manifestors. Has there been, you know, one or two or three or a handful that you found like, oh, wow, now that I know I'm a manifestor, these, these really do kind of vibe with me and my business. 
I mean, I, I'm still kind of tweaking that a little bit. I just tried the, the, my first, you know, sales with the launch and that did not resonate as much with me. I mean, I get why it can work, but I get why it doesn't work for me. <laughs> and so I actually really liked your strategy with the, the certification program. I mean, I think that's ultimately what I would like to be is like, just be upfront here. Cause like the other program, it, you get everybody on a sales call, you know, give the price until the very end and, by the way, I also met another person from our community that's been in the exact same program. She had the exact same experience as me as a manifester too. Oh, so you validated me more and then she validated me more earlier. <laughs> Universe, Yay. beautiful, on the same day. Thank but, you. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. Um, sorry, I was, going on, I was going on a tangent there and I forgot where you're I was good, at. You're good, strategies. Strategy, yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think... Just finding somebody that has a, you know, that sells the way that you would want to sell, but it's really comes, comes down to being from service, be from service, have good intentions and the money will come. And, you know, it's again, it's trusting the universe, tr trusting the law of attraction. I know there was definitely situations where during my launch, you know, I, I actually kind of, uh, play, had this, um, one-to-one -one with like dating and sales, you know, <laughs> yeah, most of my okay. life, my, my my willpower has been great, you know, and it's like, yeah, I just really want this. So I'm going to get it. That does not work well with dating. And I'm finding out it doesn't work well with sales. When, when you really, really want something, you keep falling up with somebody or you really want to date with somebody that you really like, you can, that repels people, right? That's the law of attraction. It's like pushes people away. It's like, whoa, this guy is a creeper. He's a you know, stage one cleaner, whatever. Yep. Same way with, with sales. So I would recommend... Uh, well, it's probably going to, if you're good at sales, you're probably good at dating. If you're good at dating, you're probably good at sales. So <laughs> do, the, do the same thing there. That might be a, another answer as well. Same strategy is dating successful for you, <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. but it comes down to being your authentic self and not being tied to the outcome. Mm, for sure. For sure. Can you talk to me about your journey with trust? I think that, you know, you've, you've mentioned the word trust a few times, um, which is, which is great. <laughs> I'm all about the journey with trust. I think that trust is of huge significance to the manifesto energy type. Um, it's even more significant for those of us that are splenic authorities. And then when we place that into the vehicle of a business where we get really, really challenged to surrender things like the outcome, surrender to sales, you know, surrender things like our money goals and, um, you know, all of that that narrative that we are taught, particularly in the coaching industry about, well, you need to be able to, you know, write those big posts saying I had a five-figure launch or a six-figure launch or, you know, sell-out launch, right? And we, we get, I think, very pulled away from trust in those, mm -hmm. those strategies and that ideology. Has trust been something that has, has kind of been highlighted to you or something that you feel like you've needed to journey deeper into while you've been moving through business? Yeah. So it's so funny you said that because that's the exact thing. I just finished my coaching certification this last weekend. And that was one of the things that, you know, I got some practice with being coached on was trusting others and, and trusting, you know, that things are going to work out. So it's so timely that you, you really asked that because that, that has been a challenge because, you know, in this situation with my launch, people say, yeah, I'm in, I'm in on your program or yeah, I'm going to get back to you. And, you know, for whatever reason, people don't get back to you at that time. They're busy and stuff like that. So it really challenges your trust on, on that front. And especially that's been a big theme of my life where people haven't really delivered 
on that. So trust has always been something that has been a challenge for me. Um, I think for me with trust in the universe uh, and that side of it with regards to the business, I mean, that is something you really just have to be very conscious of, of saying, hey, you know, you asked, I've informed the universe of that. I asked the universe for this and really just being truthfully honest. Like, did you trust that that was going to happen? And if, if you did, or if you saw the evidence of it, that's your evidence. That's use this as a data point to start trusting that. So trust is still a work in progress for me, but I did it the way that I thought I would trust. And now I'm ready to trust my heart and more and trust my spleen and, and trust the new way that I'm going to do it and trust myself a lot more than just seeing the, the pretty lights and all these testimonials from other programs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I often reflect on trust as like the trust onion. Yeah. It's so many layers, so many layers. And we can really kind of only go, especially in business, we can only go one layer down at a time because that feels so challenging to, to just trust this experience that we're having right in this moment, whether it's trusting a launch or it's trusting working with a client, or it's trusting, you know, being part of a program that you've invested a lot of money in. Um, perhaps it's even trusting that you're you're not working and you're not being active in your business and that that's, that's going to be okay. I mean, that was part of the, the entirety of my 2020. <laughs> it was a big, long journey of trusting that I could just shut things down and at some point somehow that would be okay. Um, but I, you know, to, to give people a... I guess a permission slip and a sense of love around that. Just give yourself a break with it, you know. Just trust as much as you can possibly trust in this current experience and know that you will reach a point exactly as you just so eloquently put, Ryan, where, you know, the next time you do it, you'll be willing to trust more right? It'll, it'll be a state of calm. It'll be a state of grounding. So even though it feels uncomfortable now and, you know, perhaps, you know, you've, you've had a launch and like you've done, you've put so much effort into it and so many months and you've done all of this strategy and you've got it all in there and it hasn't been, you know, the $200,000 success that would somehow justify all of that work. You know, can you, can you trust that that journey is exactly what it's meant to be? Yeah. Trusting, trusting when we're not successful is so much harder than trusting when we are successful. Yeah. I mean, you said this so beautifully. And again, this is just perfect, perfect timing because that's exactly what I said as of last, last Thursdays when I uh, ended my launch and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take a break for a month or two. So that's exactly my goal is to take this break and trust that. And I feel very good about trusting it, probably just out of necessity. Like my, my spleen's like, you're exhausted, man. You've been working your butt off the last seven, eight months on top of all these other things. You need a break. You need to just, you know, my, not my Netflix is playing video games. So you just need to just like <laughs> relax each evening, play some video games. Don't feel like you need to do something every night that I'm starting to get more trust on just out of necessity of my body so that I don't go into, uh, you know, go into a panic attack or something like that, or some, you know, get like physically burned out. Yeah. And we're not, we're not going to see evidence of how these things work until we actually just trust it and just swim in that ocean, right? Like fall off the cliff, swim in the ocean, do exactly what you're doing, right? It doesn't make sense at this point to, to take 
a month or two off, but that's what your body has told you to do. And as a manifester, you have this like inner GPS, you have this inner guidance system that's telling you exactly what is correct for you. And what's correct for you is always what's going to work out. So I know that that so many of us, and even I myself had a very long journey with this, you know, we get very, very caught up in kind of watching that exterior of other people in their business. And we interpret that through all of our own wounds and all of our own conditioning and say, you know, like, well, that person's doing it perfectly and that person's getting all of this money and that person is, um, you know, like really, really aligned in their business. You can put all of that energy into watching what other people are doing and trying to emulate that and, and being jealous of that. Or you can just put that same amount of energy into trusting your own journey and yeah. seeing, seeing exactly where that's going to land you. So I promise you it'll take you to much better places than watching what somebody sense. else is doing. Yeah, and it's been it's been such a joy even just these last few months to watch your journey, Ryan, through all of that. And, um, you know, you're so honest and you're so reflective about where you're at and in saying, you know what, right now I'm just scared. <laughs> right now it's not working for me. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not loving it, right? Um, but even just in the last couple of weeks, watching you finish out your launch and, and come back to this place of peace now to say, well, you know, it, it, is, it is where it is. You know, that yeah. story wrapped up the way that it was meant to and now now I'm just going to trust myself and I'm going to take a rest. I'm going to play video games. Yeah, right. <laughs> and to that point, I thought one of your earlier questions is, you know, before HD and before knowing that as a manifester, I felt like, well, I just have to keep going. I have to keep plugging away. And, you know, just with society thinking like, oh, you just need to work harder. You need to work harder. And I know now that it, I'm, with, I'm seeing enough evidence of being a manifester and everything that I've learned from you and from, you know, all the other resources that it's time to take a break. It's taking a break is going to be better than just continuing to plug away and physically, you know, killing myself, you know, or wearing myself out. Yeah. You're no generator. You're no generator. <laughs> that, <laughs> I mean, that, that ego, that ego center, like makes me think of that sometimes. And it's, <laughs> It's definitely got me. It's definitely a small but mighty motor. And I feel like it's almost made me uh, manifest that success in my career. But I remember times where I'm just so exhausted. I'm like, I'm not doing this. And it, it's led me to a career where I have a great job today where I don't have to work really, really hard for 40 hours. I might work really hard for, you know, I don't want to say how many hours because it really depends on the week. But um, I'm really good at what I do. And it's big based off a lot of the knowledge that I've, that I've got and all the training over time to get better at what I do to where I don't have to be in the typical role where I'm processing, you know, 40 hours, a, you know, a week. That's so beautiful. So you're such, yeah. You're such a great example of how that can all come together. You know, that it doesn't need to be so cookie cutter. We don't have to find the perfect job to support us in moving into business or, you know, go full time in our business at a certain time. You, you've just been able to initiate and create that reality that is perfectly supportive for you for where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just, it's really perfect for where I'm at today. I'm so, I'm so grateful for the job that I have and, you know, the security that it brings. And, and that's why it's, you know, there's always, you know, kind of, again, to the, a lot of the story that other people say is, oh, well, if you have a coaching business or you're, you know, you're going to be a business owner, you should just quit your day job and, mm -hmm. you know, jump in and, and do the, uh, you know, just full, go full on out and the universe will catch you. And that might be true, but 
uh, I know for me, especially, you know, recognizing, you know, there's still the more work for me to do with healing the relationship with money. Like I, we talked about just a couple of days ago is I know if I'm going to be pressured for money, then that's where that's going to be that desperation feel of sales. And then it's going to be like, the, the shadow side of that gate 26 of like, oh, but you really should be in this program. You should really do this. And I'm going to continue to follow up just out of necessity. So, I, and, and by no means do I want to talk anybody out of it that's like teetering on it. Use your inner authority. But I know for <laughs> me, like I know I need to take a little bit different route than, you know, the Cinderella story of just quitting your job and then, you know, millions of dollars and happiness and success and Miata's rain from the sky and all that stuff. 100%, 100%. I could not agree more. So for those who, you know, would like to follow you, learn more about you, work with you, where can they find you, Ryan? Yes, uh, I am at ryanspencecoaching.com. So the way I like to always say my last name is it's like Spencer, but without the R. <laughs> no more, pe- more people know the name Spence or Spencer. So ryanspencecoaching.com. You can, uh, you want you can do a one-on-one consultation there for either for weight loss or for uh, just one-on-one direct coaching. I'm also on Instagram at Ryan Spence Coaching. And then I also have a YouTube channel where I provide lots of uh, healthy habits and um, other insightful things that I've learned over the last several years. And that's also Ryan Spence coaching on YouTube. Amazing. Amazing. I will link all of those in the show notes below so people can easily get access to you and to your wisdom. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been just such a pleasure to talk to you and to pick your brain and to hear more about your story. I think that you're an incredible human and a really amazing example of a manifester making changes in the world. Thank you so much. I mean, so much to, to hear that. And, you know, I, I can't speak on behalf of all the manifestors, but I'm going to try anyway. So <laughs> just so thankful for you to shine your light, inform us of all the knowledge that you have. I mean, truly finding you a couple months ago has been a huge turning point in my life as far as being more confident with uh, leading a business and doing things my way, as well as just getting the knowledge to be, you know, a better person day to day. So I'm just truly grateful for you. Uh, thank you so much for all the knowledge and your and living that role model uh, role that you play so well. Amazing. Thank you. That warms my heart. I received that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. I hope that my words, my sharing and the spiritual wisdom that came through today's episode have a magnificently transforming impact on your life. If you love this episode, I would be so humbly and truly grateful if you would share it on your social media. You can tag me on Instagram or Facebook at The Holly Marie. And also, please consider taking a moment to leave a review right here on iTunes so that this information, this podcast, and this spiritual transformation can be spread to even more people. Again, I cannot wait to see you for the next episode of Hunting for Purpose.